0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. And we have got one of my very favorite guests is back. we got such a great show in store. And y'all, fun news. This pod has got her own Instagram account. Yes, it has finally happened. Make sure you're following at That Sounds Fun Podcast on Instagram, where you'll get to see posts about the show just like you do on AFD, but more of them, more clips, more quotes, more questions for you to talk with me about. Fun, right? Well, when you love an episode, you can also share it with your friends straight from there and give them a taste of all the fun we get to have together. Again, it's at That Sounds Fun Podcast on Instagram. And before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes learning something new about ourselves is fun, right? Like when I learned that I identify as an Enneagram 7 and I felt this new freedom about the way I approach life. Sometimes learning about ourselves is Also, not so fun, like when I have to preach about humility like I did yesterday at Crosspoint and experience a little extra dose of it while I'm researching and writing. Either way, it is always worth it to deepen our understanding of ourselves. And therapy is a great avenue to do just that. My counselor has been hugely instrumental in helping me get to know myself better and really show up as the me I want to be. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you on your journey of self-discovery no matter where you're starting from. So if you're thinking of trying therapy, give BetterHelp a shot. Since BetterHelp is entirely online, it's designed to be convenient and flexible and to fit in your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. We love a quiz. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match for you. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash That Sounds Fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com help, slash That Sounds Fun. And today on the show, I get to talk with our good friend, Addison Bevere. You may remember Addison from when he and his lovely wife, Juliana, joined us for Couples Month in February of 2020. He is a best-selling author, the co-founder of SonsAndDaughters.tv, as well as the COO of Messenger International, a discipleship organization impacting millions of people around the globe. They do amazing work. Y'all know we love to go in on prayer, and Addison's new book does just that. It's called Words with God, trading boring, empty prayer for real connection. It comes out tomorrow. Congrats, Addison. In it, he invites us to go into and through the tension of prayer towards the place where we hear from God. I am so excited for y'all to hear this one and read this book. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. So here is my conversation with our friend, Addison Bevere. Addison Bevere, welcome back to That Sounds Fun.
1: Thank you. Three years? Three years.
0: How is that real?
1: I don't know. A lot of life has happened. I was about to say, you live yeah, here now. I do.
0: Y'all didn't when you were here no, in No, we weren't even
1: thinking about living here what? in 2020. Oh, y'all no. weren't even
0: thinking about it? No.
1: That was 2021 when we decided to move here. Dude. Yeah.
0: That is yeah. crazy. Is that wild? Yeah. You've lived in two houses here.
1: We have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know what we're doing. It's wild.
0: <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't realize that y'all weren't even thinking about it. Because were your mom and dad already here? No. No, no one. they weren't here
1: no one. No one was thinking about moving to Nashville.
0: And now uh, almost everybody's here.
1: The majority of us are here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I Why? mean we what we decided to true? move here in March fourth, twenty twenty one, and we were here October, twenty twenty
0: one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What's the Lord doing? What's the why for the Bevere family moving here?
1: Oh, we're still figuring that out. Yeah. We just knew it was very apparent we were supposed to move here. And I've heard that from a lot of people who moved yes. to the Nashville area. Like, yes. we're supposed to be here. We're yes. still working out why we're here, yes. but we know we're supposed to be here. And so there are glimmers, there are moments of certainty, but there's a lot of mystery still. Yeah. So we're walking through that.
0: So talk to people about that. How do you obey without... I mean, it's an Abrahamic invitation. Yeah. Just go. And it's okay if you don't know everything. Yeah, How do you know you're right? <laughs> is it the glimmers that tell you you're right?
1: The way that I look at it is there are signposts that point mm. in a direction. And we have to be careful not to get too fixated on the signpost. We have to realize that a part of this journey with God is trust because we have this tendency to be like, God, give us the answers and then get out of our way. Mm. Like, let me do this. I want to be self-sufficient. Like, just tell me what I need to do. I want to operate in your wisdom and your plan and your goodness. So tell me, but then get out of my way. And so for us, Annie, there's been confirmations. This is where we're supposed to be. But there's also moments where it's like, God, if you don't tell us how to move, we don't know what we're doing here. And so we grasp for control. And that's just our tendency. Like We were made, designed by God Mm -hmm. to exercise a form of rule, exercise a form of dominion. So there is a tendency to grasp for control. But the great opportunity that we have, the great invitation is to be grasped by God. Wow. And it's in those moments where it's like, I'm grasping and I'm not reaching what I'm reaching for. Okay, God, I want to mm. be grasped by you in this moment. Wow. And it's through that, that we discover new levels and dimensions of surrender and goodness and the faithfulness of God and the provision of God.
0: And what happens, so one of our friends listening moved their whole family to, I don't know, Kentucky, okay. Louisville. yep, And then they get there and it is not working. Yeah. The jobs aren't working out. Yeah. The community hasn't come. They've been there six months, a year. Are they wrong? Is it still God? How do we know? Do yeah. we do we go back? Like, what do you do when it isn't going well and it hasn't been going well for a minute?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's
0: because y'all suffered moving here too. We
1: have, we have. And that's and that's hard. And there are times when the step forward looks like a step back.
0: Yeah, right. But
1: but I, I do want to say this it is a step forward, not a step back. Wow. So even if you move to another location, I actually had a friend that this happened to. They moved, spent two years away from the place where they were, and really believed that God had moved them there. Yeah. And then two years later, they moved back. Yeah. And for them, they realized that that journey of moving prepared them for a fresh season where they were.
0: Yeah. Now they
1: had to wrestle with God and move through the discomfort because so often we we are conditioned to chase comfort.
0: Oh. And so you you know what
1: I'm saying? So it's like, well, this is uncomfortable. Maybe this isn't God. It's like, no, maybe there's something beyond the comfort zone that you've been in that God is inviting you into. And so that's where we wrestle with God. That's where we discover what it is he's inviting us into. And sometimes that does look like a dose of humility Mm -hmm. and saying, you know what? Maybe I am supposed to go back, but I'm not going back to where I was. I'm going back to something new.
0: Yes. I mean, it's very like you may be back in the same zip code, but you have not gone back. No. I wish there was a way we could say I moved here versus like I'm moving home or we're moving back of saying like, no, we moved forward. We're just changing our yeah. zip code to the one we had before. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I think that can be true about jobs. If you walk away from a job and then to go to the next thing. I mean, Craig, that is so true about Craig. Craig was here. God moved him to another job and then God brought him back. Wow. But he, the whole thing was moved forward, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so there was a
1: fresh orientation when you came back. So it was like you were in a different space. Like this just happened actually with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. Uh-huh. They're pastors of a church, and they were feeling a change. They had been pastors of a church in this small town in Texas for 15 years. Wow. And they went on this year-long journey of discomfort and disorientation. And guess what? They're still pastors at that church, and yeah. they almost left for Boston. Uh-huh. And it took them going to Boston, being in Boston, going through all the interviews, being there to realize, you know what? We are called to Victoria, Texas, but we're called there in a way that we couldn't see before we experienced yeah. this disorientation.
0: Yeah, man, that, I mean, <laughs> Craig, I kind of wish you are on a microphone, because I feel like that is so true about you coming back here. What a great example, because when he left... The other thing that people don't know is what happens when you're gone, what's happening where Mm -hmm. you were. Because when he left, we realized that we had a job description that wasn't actually a job description. It was a Craig-sized hole. Wow. Truly. And we just I mean, true. I mean, we didn't, we went like, oh, we need to fill this place. But there is actually only one way to yeah. fill it. And so yeah. we will do whatever it takes to get him to come back. Yeah, I love that. And so it also was an advancement in his career because he's doing far more than he was the first time he was here. Wow, wow. So going back doesn't mean going back.
1: No, it doesn't. Yeah. No. Why and, are we and, talking about that? Well, Someone needs this. Well, I don't and know. <laughs> and when you look at life, too, we think of life as this singular, linear yes. road.
0: Yes, Yellow and brick road to us. Yellow ours. brick road.
1: But the reality is, and I'm from Colorado, uh-huh. so we have all these 14000 foot mountains. yeah. And when you're at the base of one of these mountains, you want to just look up and be like, I'm going to run to the top of that mountain. Right. I'm just going to get up there. But the reality is the terrain is way too steep. Mm. So you have these switchbacks yeah. and they go left, right, left, right. And when you're traveling on these things, it honestly feels like you're not making any progress. Right. Like, why don't I just run up? Why don't mm. I just like, I know where I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get to that right. peak. Right. And what's amazing, Annie, is these moments, the view, when you're looking out over the cities, you're climbing, the view is familiar. Mm-hmm. But it's different. Every it's time. new. You're yeah. seeing it from a different vantage point. And I find that there's so much in life when it comes to this journey of formation where we're seeing something new and it's like, gosh, I thought I've moved through this.
0: Yeah. I've right. thought I've
1: grown past this. Like, I thought I already navigated this in a previous season.
0: Yeah. But
1: the reality is, you're not where you once were. You're actually seeing it from a different vantage point.
0: Yes. Okay. So, Words with God, your new book about prayer, which I'm thrilled about. I have to, a story to tell you about it already. Where does prayer play into this? Because with mm. a 14,000-foot mountain, you should actually only have to walk 14,000 feet if you walk straight. But you end yep. up walking double that, triple that. I don't know. You walk a, a whole lot, lot more, more mileage mm-hmm. than just going straight from bottom to top. Sure. Sure. Where is prayer? Are we allowed to be frustrated at the switchbacks? <laughs> do we need to just bow and say, we'll do it? Yeah. Like, where's prayer?
1: Yeah. So, Words with God. I've had people, when they engage with this title, they're like, so I hear that as, this is how you pray. Uh-huh. This is how you have words with God. Some people hear that. Yeah. Other people hear, oh, so you're giving me permission yeah. to have words with to God. Words and they, with and like they get excited <laughs> about that. They, I want to have words with God. And the reality is the book is both. Yeah, Um, is. And I think one of the reasons why we we struggle to have words with God is because we don't believe God wants to have words with us. Mm. Like we really struggle with that idea. And in the first movement of this book, I, I take people into what I call the canyon. Yeah. And it's that place where, you're like, am I hearing God, or is that just the echo of my own voice? Yeah. And there's a premise that I lay out in the first chapter this idea that we struggle to hear the voice of God because we look for God's voice in the tone and the tenor of the accuser. Mm. And what that does is it causes us to shrink back within ourselves. And we don't realize that the thin silence that we encounter as we pursue God is actually not rejection— it's an invitation. Mm. It's an invitation to let go of a certain form of communication, a certain form of engagement and receive something different, something other from God. And that happens as we wrestle with God, as we move into the silence. If you look at the moment when um, Elijah is just distraught yeah. and he runs he runs from his purpose, he runs from everything. And then he has the moment on the mountain and it's not the earthquake, it's not the fire, it's not the wind. What is it? It's the thin Silence is literally how it reads in Hebrew. The yeah. thin silence is where he encounters God. Yeah. And so that's the place where we find words that are so much greater than the cheap sentiments and the, the singular prayers and the transactional prayers that we normally— Default to.
0: Yeah. It's interesting you say that about how we hear God. It's been really interesting reading. You know, we're doing the Let's Read the Gospels podcast where it's me, Annie, yeah. my extroverted Enneagram 7 <laughs> ENFP. Like I'm the one reading the scriptures the way I'm seeing them. Sure. And I had someone DM me this week and say, I have a very different personality than you. And I never realized that I hear Jesus in an accusing tone mm. because of my personality mm. type. And so whenever I hear Jesus, I hear him being very direct. And whenever you read Jesus, he sounds more fun. He's probably (laughs) both, and and I probably should hear him more serious sometimes than I do. But I thought, man, that is so interesting that we often, in everything we do, we bring ourselves. We even bring ourselves to how we read scripture and how we hear God. And the enemy goes, isn't he mad?
1: Isn't God mad at you?
0: And so when we try to have words with God, we feel like, I bet he's unhappy. Yeah. Or I bet he's frustrated. Yeah. And yet, persistent widow.
1: Persistent widow. And if you look at the moment of Jesus's baptism, you mm-hmm. have this beloved sonship spoken over him, tender words from the Father. Yeah. And what happens? The Spirit leads him into the wilderness. And what's the first thing the accuser says? If you're really.
0: If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're really. If you're really. If you're really. like, bread. Bread's the first bread, one, right? If you're really. Yeah. If you're really. If you're
1: really. Do something practical. Which is so
0: funny because they've known each other for actual ever. So what's what is he doing?
1: That's that's the accuser's weapon. Ah. Is accusation. Yeah. That, that is the default. And again, I think that's why so many of us struggle to hear from God uh-huh. is because we look for him in that voice of accusation. Yeah. And God's like, "Actually, you know what? That's not how I communicate with right. you." If you really study the meta narrative of scripture, that's not how God engages with us. And so we have to unlearn the voice of the accuser. And that's why I think for so many of us, it's like a rite of passage. Like Jesus going into the wilderness was a rite of passage. He went in there, the accuser came, there there was temptation, and then he emerged in the power of the spirit. He emerged in the confidence of his sonship that was spoken over him at that moment of baptism. And for us, when it comes to prayer... Moving in and through that silence is when we let go of the accusations, let go of the other narratives, let go of the other words so we can actually receive the words that God has for
0: us. It's just – it's a version of gaslighting that the enemy does. Totally. Because he knew exactly who Jesus was. So when we hear, are you sure you're a good mom? Yeah. He actually already knows you're a good mom. He's just gaslighting
1: you. One hundred percent. And the, and the enemy, I have never realized yes. that
0: until you're teaching me this.
1: Yes. Well, and think about it. Every good uh, liar, every good jerk. liar is going to give you truth.
0: Yeah. That's a bit right. of
1: truth. They have to. Otherwise, right. the lie doesn't stick. Yeah. That's right. And so the enemy comes. He's like, "Oh, hey, you did make this mistake with yeah. your kid. You're a bad mom. Yeah. Period. Yep. Yeah. And then you have to navigate your way through that accusation.
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: that's the power of confession, oh, Annie. Is you it. bring the lie. That is not all a lie to the truth that is all true.
0: Yeah, that's you right. You bring the
1: lie, you submit it, and you say, God, yes. and your goodness and your faithfulness and what you speak over me, I don't fully understand this, but I do know that there was this breakdown. I yeah. do know that there was this fracture. I bring it to you because you have the ultimate say over my life.
0: Yeah, Please speak into right. this.
1: I, uh, I had this moment with Asher uh-huh. when he was like nine years old, okay? He used to come home from school and confess everything every single day to me. <gasps> oh. Every single day. Come home. Why
0: are your children so sweet? He,
1: well, this like Gosh. he's 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 amazing. Okay, so he would come home and confess, and I was like, why does he do this? I've never told him, hey, come home from school, yeah. and confess everything. And like, he told me one time, Dad, I uh, I accidentally kicked a teacher's shoe, and I didn't apologize for kicking his shoe oh, i was like you accidentally bumped in your, to right, your teacher's right, shoe I'm like, okay right. great um but one night now putting kids to bed our four kids we had three kids in one room at this time was an ordeal yeah like it was a reverse hostage situation i'm negotiating <laughs> every whatever time, yeah. every time like please just stay in yes. your room and this one particular night i'd put them all down and we finally had peace in the house Julie and i had some peace and the holy spirit told me so quick so clearly go get asher out of bed Wow. And I was like, you got to be kidding me.
0: <laughs> right. I'm like,
1: get behind me, Satan. Like, right. I'm not doing this. And so I waited like five, seven minutes. My like, God, hopefully he just falls asleep. Yeah. And I missed this. I went in and I got him out of bed. He was still awake. The other kids were asleep. How old
0: is he about at this time?
1: He's probably nine, okay. maybe 10 at the time. So I brought him out. We're sitting on the sofa. I was going to read this book to him. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, dad, can I uh, share something with you? And I go, yeah. And he goes, dad, I am. Um, I said a bad word today, and I was like, "Okay, son, what what did what did you say?" And he said, "I said stupid." Oh, <laughs> I was like, "I was okay. like, son, did you call someone stupid?" And he's yeah. like, "No, I just I just said the word stupid." I'm like, "Well, you know, there's better words to use, but really, this isn't that big of an big of a deal and stuff." Okay, then he took a deep breath, Annie, and then he went on the a, a series of f bomb combinations. I mean, I'm talking some of the most creative. What? F-bomb. He's like, I also said, and this was the footnote <gasps> oh, of his confession, my God. <laughs> and they were creative. They were intense. Like, I'm sitting there trying not to laugh because of the reason. He's ridicu- like, and I also said. And I also said, and he shares all these other things. <laughs> and I'm looking at him trying not to laugh, and then finally I go, Asher, where did you learn these words? And he started bawling. He's like, the Holy Spirit told me these weren't good words. I don't know what they mean, blah, blah, blah. But I guess he had heard them that day from a sure, friend sure, in the neighborhood. Sure. Anyway, but it led to this beautiful moment where we were able to take something that would have been an element of shame yeah. and accusation, bring it to the light, talk through it. And it also led to meaningful connection between him and that friend. Yeah. And so
0: it's When you gift. got him out of bed, how did you know the next thing to do when you didn't know, when the Holy Spirit had only said, wake him up or bring yeah. him out? How'd you know to read him a book? How'd you know the next thing?
1: Yeah. Well, I think in those moments, Annie, it's about having that space, uh-huh. that unhurried space to just sit and to hear and to receive and then to respond. Mm. I think the tendency is yeah. to just do, to move right into the next thing. Yep. And in that moment, it was, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you have? And we just sat on the sofa. I had a book. I was about ready to read it. Yeah. And then boom, it was, he actually, Asher, started
0: it. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Nutrafol. We're all the time swapping recommendations of our favorite styling tools and hair products. But starting with healthier hair is really important to achieve the looks we're going for, right? I mean, y'all. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, you're not alone. There's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, your thickness and visible scalp coverage. It supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning. Stress, yeah, we got it. Hormones, we've also got those. Environment, we're living in it. Nutrition, trying, and metabolism, yeah, that too. Neutrophil addresses all of them through whole body health. I love that Nutrafol offers three different physician-created formulas that support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. So no matter what season you're in, they've got us covered with the natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients used in consistently effective dosages. They're bringing us the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. 3,000-plus top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair you can grow thicker healthier hair and support our show by going to nutriful.com and entering the promo code that sounds fun to save ten dollars off your first month's subscription this offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time plus free shipping on every order so get ten dollars off at nutriful.com. that's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code that sounds fun And one more amazing partner we get to tell you about, y'all. We are losing our minds over here about ButcherBox. Y'all know I love a good premium dining experience. Your girl is bougie. Get me to a nice restaurant to try new menu items with fun friends, and I am a happy Annie. Let's be real, though. That is not my every night reality by any stretch. What a treat that I can get premium cuts of the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered right to my door so I can whip up quality meals on a budget. And you can, too, with ButcherBox. They're bringing us 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, pork that is raised crate free and wild-caught seafood. All of their meats are humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. You can pick from a curated box, which is what I do, or customize your own, and ButcherBox has free shipping always. It's not just the convenience of having these perfectly curated selections come straight to my house. It's the brain space ButcherBox saves me from standing in that section of the grocery store trying to figure out what to make and what will be good for the right price. So When it comes to my ButcherBox, I know whatever it is. I can like toss some of the Danielle Walker seasonings. Oh my gosh. They are so good straight onto the meat. So right now I'm literally eating turkey burgers I made from ground turkey that I got from butcher box and they are delicious. I, I just need you to believe me. It tastes different. (laughs) It just tastes better. It is so delicious. And listen to this. You can get free chicken thighs for a year Chicken thighs for a year and twenty dollars off your first box when you sign up today. That is three pounds of bone-in chicken thighs free in every box for a year, plus plus twenty dollars off your first order when you sign up at butcherbox.com/tsf and use the code tsf. Claim this deal at butcherbox.com/tsf and use the code tsf. That link to those free chicken thighs and pretty much every other link you could ever hope for are in the show notes below. So be sure to check those out. And now back to our conversation with Addison. In the book, as you keep going, after the canyon is the temple. Yeah. Will you talk about the temple?
1: Yeah. So the temple. So religion does a really good idea of telling us you can only engage with God on our terms and our places and our ways. Right. And the idea of the temple is this radical notion that we are God's temple that God's spirit lives in us. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 6. It's this idea that God has come to do business in and through us. So even the word like profane, we use the word profane, it literally means outside the temple. Mm, And what God God is saying is saying, hey, actually I'm coming to move in and through your lives. The Mm. temple was the microcosm where heaven touched earth. So that's what a first century Jew would think of when they would think of the temple. And what God is saying, I'm actually coming to you to become the microcosm where heaven touches earth. And so those places that you have called unholy or insignificant or profane, I'm actually coming to meet with you in the pain, the brokenness, right. the confusion, the uncertainty of those places. Right. And so it's a it's a reframe of worship. And yeah. in that section, I talk a lot about opening the conversation, mm-hmm. because when it comes to prayer, we limit prayer to such a small part of what yes. prayer actually is. Yes. And any uh, the reason why a lot of people are turning to, and even people who aren't, faith-oriented. They're turning to practices that are shadow form of prayer, like spoken confession, spoken (laughs) forgiveness, meditation, silence, stillness, that kind of stuff. All of that belongs in the robustness of prayer. Yeah, It all belongs in the robustness of having words with God. And so in this book, I'm inviting us out of that small idea of temple, that small idea of prayer into this, this robust life of connection yeah. where every part of what we do gets to be a form of engagement with God. And you're like, well, that sounds like you wouldn't be any good to the people around you. Actually, no, that's, that's not true. God's desire to connect with us is actually so we can see what's going on in the lives in the world of the people around us. Yeah. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 that no one knows the depths of of a man or a woman except the spirit of that man or that woman. Yeah. Well, when the Spirit of God can trust us huh. to not be so consumed with the hurry, with the busy, with the, with the distractions, but to breathe and to see yeah. and to invite stillness into activity, Then we start to see prophetically, we start to see things that are happening around us differently. That's when we can participate in purpose. That's when we can make meaningful connection. That's when we have clarity knowing what to do, when to do it, why to do it in those moments. But when we bring what I call frantic inaction, (laughs) that's what is frantic inaction into our everyday lives because we're not connected to the source of action. We end up participating in the brokenness yeah. of our world, in whatever form, whatever level that takes.
0: So, in the process of the book, canyon to temple to dance, is that the journey you want us to go on? Is that the growth journey, or do we do we cycle through all three over and over? You
1: got it. Okay. It's it's not. I do see these movements. They happen, right? Yeah. Like in seasons and stuff. But it's not like you get through the canyon one time.
0: And you're like, we did it. Out. Now I'm only like, in the temple.
1: Like, when right. you start to learn that silence is a language of God's, then, then you realize what a gift the canyon is. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I enjoy the canyon. But you start to realize how intimate the voice of God is yes. and how even in the canyon's echo, the voice is speaking to us. Yes. Like We get to participate in the voice. We get to hear and receive From the voice. And it's okay that there's an element of imperfection, Mm -hmm. like stepping out in faith that requires us to surrender to the reality that we will deal in partial. Right. Forever. That's just how this is. And that's okay. We're not God. Right. And so it's that journey of trust that brings us deeper into the heart of God for us and also for the people in our world.
0: I saw a post this week. As everybody listening knows, there was a tragedy in Nashville at the beginning of at the end of March, beginning of April. And I saw a post this week that said one of the reasons non faith people hate when we say we're praying for something is because they don't see it change anything. Yeah. But prayer does change things. Pastor Kevin at Cross Point always says we don't only pray, but we pray first. Yeah. So what is the power of prayer behind getting I mean, because there is this like devotional version of prayer, right yep. And when we're talking about the canyon and the temple and the dance in your book, I, I think devotionally, I get it. yeah but like devotional prayer isn't what I'm trying to do when I'm like interceding
1: like how do we intercede? Yeah. And which intercede literally means to stand in the gap right like you are fighting you are in and the and that's gap. what
0: the world wants to see is they want to see us pray in a way that shifts things yes. And and that I'm not sure that guy's post is true. It was not the Bible. It was one guy's yeah. post on the internet. But it does yeah. have me thinking about it.
1: Yeah. So we do have to realize when we pray, we are surrendering to a wisdom that is greater than what we can see in this sure, moment. one hundred 100. Right. But what I find, Annie, is a lot of people we we pray these vague prayers mm-hmm. because we're we're scared of the fact that we're surrendering to a wisdom that's bigger than what we can see in this moment. And when I look at Jesus in Gethsemane, I think yeah. I think of a moment. Where, where we, see, we see the son experiencing such tension mm-hmm. that he's bleeding, blood's coming from his pores, right? He's sweating blood. And I look at that moment and there's three dimensions to his prayer. Number one, he's specific. Yeah. If there's any way, any way this cup can pass, let it pass. Right. Number two, he's surrendered. Okay? Not my will, but yours be done. Yep. Number three, he's steadfast. He keeps contending, yeah. contending, contending. Now, we want to either just be specific, like tell God what to do, tell Him when to do it, tell Him why to do it, tell Him how to do it. Yep. Or we want to be vague and surrendered. God, whatever you do, yeah. whatever you do, which doesn't drive us to our needs, yep. needs, which doesn't drive us into the needs of the community. And real prayer, mature prayer brings both specificity and surrender wow. into the center, yeah. which is steadfastness. Yes, And that's where we go. That's where we contend. That's where we do. That's where we see the moment for what it is and can respond Can respond in a way that's true to the heart of God.
0: Yeah. You know what you're teaching me that I have never thought about again, Asim is that Jesus' steadfastness, he kept praying that. He, he kept praying something. We don't he actually did. know every word, but the words that are recorded, he kept praying that until Judas got there.
1: He did, and he kept asking his friends, like, "Hey, y'all, come on, get in this with like, me. Come on, I need yeah. you. Like, this yeah. is this is hard work. Please yeah. pray for me." Yeah. And and the final movement of the book, the dance, is about how prayer moves outside of just what's going on here, yeah, and into our world yeah. and into the promises that God has made to reconcile the world to Him to reconcile us to each other and what that looks like practically in our lives. Um, It was Tertullian, he was an early church father, who said that the entire gospel is found in the Lord's Prayer. Wow! And and we've reduced the Lord's Prayer to this this trite, this rote thing that we run through. But when you really break it down and understand the invitation to pray that is in the Lord's Prayer, it is radical and it moves out of our personal piety, personal devotions into how we live, what we do, what we say.
0: And I love that it's one of the things that deeply connects the Protestant Church and the Catholic Church.
1: Absolutely, is
0: everybody they call it the Our Father, we call it the Lord's Prayer, and either way, it is we are praying the same thing we every are. day between our two branches of Christianity. I think that is fascinating. So, do you consider like if someone is new to prayer and they're like, "Yeah, Addison, I want to do this. I'm, I'm yeah. in. I I I have prayed a little bit when I eat food, but." It hadn't changed my life. Would you tell him, okay, go start with the Lord's Prayer as an outline?
1: Well, there's very few things that Jesus gave us that could feel like a formula.
0: Yeah, he, right. I mean, you know, you he ran through the gospel. He is not Gospels. very formulaic. He, he doesn't,
1: why? Why doesn't he do that?
0: Because he is frustrating. For us. <laughs> no,
1: and I, I believe that we're master manipulators.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and
1: Jesus knows that. Yeah. And he's like, that's if right. I give them a formula, they're going to find a way to manipulate exactly this formula right.
0: and and make it robotic. We will get a machine to do it for us. Like
1: God, we actually don't need you to participate that's right. in this. We that's don't need right. others to participate in this. Which, mm. by the way, what's the orientation of our Father the Lord's Prayer?
0: It, our All of us, yes, it's not mine. It's, it's like, yes.
1: hey God, get in even Jesus, with who is
0: actually my father. He could say even in Matthew six, father.
1: where he tells them, "Hey, you know what? Go alone and pray in your closet." He's like, still pray in our orientation. Oh
0: wow, which right. which is just
1: amazing. So this is what I would tell people. That's
0: really cool.
1: Fifty two words, roughly, right? Lord's Prayer. I think it's around fifty two words. The significance in Matthew in Matthew's gospel. Yeah, yeah Luke's gospel is shorter. The significance is not the formula; it's the framework. Ah, okay. Okay, the framework of the Lord's Prayer. Think about the movements. Our Father. Yeah. Right there. It's a surrender of our to the goodness and the tenderness and the faithfulness of God. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Mm -hmm. You are beyond us. You are other than us. You are not a slave to our agenda. You are holy. We hold those two values in tension at the very beginning of the prayer. Then we move into praying for his will to be done, his kingdom to be done. And we get God-oriented after that, we move into praying for daily bread, yeah, forgiveness, yeah. temptations, trials, evil, those things. Yeah. That perspective comes into view as we first orient ourselves around God's goodness and faithfulness. So, what I encourage people to do is read a line and stop. Yeah. And place your life, your moment, your struggle within that framework. Mm. Make it real, yeah. make it personal to you. You don't have to rush through it. It's a really great framework. Stop. Pause, be like, okay, what does it mean for me to receive forgiveness today and extend forgiveness today? Yeah. What does it mean for me to ask for daily bread today? Yeah. I think for them, daily bread, that was the most basic sustenance. Right. And yet Jesus is teaching us hey, even your daily bread, Mm -hmm. your Father cares about.
0: Yes, yes. So in the hour, stance that we're taking, I mean, we say, forgive us our debts. So are we confessing for each other?
1: Absolutely. We're moving into a- Dude, what
0: are you doing? Okay, You're right.
1: It's, and I'm not, and That's people will hear this. I mean, but think about things that Jesus says, like, it'll be better for Sodom than it will be for Capernaum. Like, yeah. There is a form of collective responsibility that we yeah, have yeah. as the saints, as the people of God. Yes. We we have been raised at the table, largely, of an individualistic gospel. yes. And so when we think of how God responds to our plight, responds to our pain, it's very much an individual orientation. Now, does God care about us individually? Absolutely. Certainly. My story is very important to God. Yes. But then there's the our story yes. over it. And then there is the the story.
0: Yeah. And we engage good. with
1: God on all three levels. And yes. all three levels provide meaning and value to our prayer life and to yeah. our needs, to our desires, to our hopes, to our wishes, all of that.
0: Do you think kids are better at praying specific prayers than adults? Do you think we lose? Is it a gradient that goes down the, because we're more disappointed the older we get?
1: 100%. Yeah. I actually I actually share a story in the book about a lawnmower. Yeah. And I used to love mowing lawns when yeah. I was a kid, apparently. My mom told me I had this little <laughs> fake lawnmower and I would spend hours outside. Yeah. So it must have been buried deep in my psyche. Well, I stopped praying very specific prayers because I was like, God, if there's something good for you to get done, like you're going to do it, mm. like you're good, you're faithful. Why, like, why do I I'm need not to be gonna mess praying? With this. Yeah, like yeah. I don't want to mess with it. Yeah. I have a limited understanding. I have a limited capacity. And Julie and I, we had just bought our first house. We had no money. We were house poor. And I wanted to buy a lawnmower. We had yeah. a patch of grass that was tiny. I mean, it would literally take three minutes to mow. And there was a nice neighbor across the street who would let me borrow his lawnmower. But I really wanted a lawnmower. Just your like
0: four-minute patch. Seriously, four-minute yeah. patch, like done.
1: And I remember, Annie, I remember going to Lowe's and I was looking at the lawnmowers. And they were out and they were parading their glory. Yeah. I mean, it was like March, April. And I wanted a lawnmower so bad. And I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, Asked me for a lawnmower. Wow. And I was like, what? Asked me for a lawnmower. And I convinced myself to buy it too. I was yeah. like, I'll work this out with Julie. We didn't have a sofa. We didn't have window trees. So we didn't oh have anything. I'm like, I'll the work this sofa. out with Julie." It was bad. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay.
0: i a lawnmower.
1: And I'm like, this isn't me. Cause I don't think like this.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: like, so this is clearly something different. And so I just real casually said, God, would you please give me a lawnmower? Yeah. And I walked out of Lowe's. Two days later, I get a phone call from a friend who's moving to Florida. And he goes, hey, um, hope you're doing well. We hadn't talked in oh, like over a year. He's like, hey, I have, I have a lawnmower and I'm moving to Florida and I can't bring it with me. It's brand new. I've only used it twice. And I was going to sell it on Craigslist and I just sensed that I was supposed to call you. Like, oh is gosh. there any chance that you would want or need a lawnmower? And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, I freaked out, Annie. You would have thought he offered me a house or that's a car, right, so I freaked right. out. And in that moment, I, I realized that God teaches us at, to ask so that we can become aware. Wow so that we can become aware of the fact that we're living in an answered prayer.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: from that place of awareness, we learn to ask. We learn to ask for greater and bigger things. And that is a part of the childlikeness that is the kingdom of God.
0: Yes, and I mean that—that that is one of the reasons you know this because you—I—you gave me a quote to hang on my wall a couple of years ago. But one of the reasons I write down everything I'm praying for yeah. is because if you aren't tracking, you don't know when He answers. That's right. You just assume the next thing happened. Yeah. You just assume. And so I was saying to some friends recently that um, in a season where I've been fasting and praying for some really specific things, every shift matters to me. Yeah. Every little yeah. conversation of. Oh, that! Oh, that is God answering. Whereas, if I wasn't praying and recording and paying attention, it just I, I would maybe notice the big answer at the sure. end. I wouldn't notice the shifts on the way there. Sure. And so, recording it. How do y'all record your prayers? What does that look like yeah, for you? I have
1: a prayer like prayer journal. Yeah. And actually, you know it's interesting? I'm almost done with this season that I'm in right now with this prayer journal. And I have two, three pages left, yeah. and I'm nervous to finish this because it yeah. just feels so significant yeah. to this season yeah. and the season we've been going through. And I, but I also sense an invitation recently to shut this season. Mm. Like I'm bringing you into a new season. Yeah. But Annie, I go back through that and I just read. Yeah, and I read stuff and I forget, y'all. We we think oh gosh, we remember we so the pains mm-hmm. of today. But we move on and move yes. into the next thing because there's always a next thing. Yes. And there's a, there's a prayer that I introduced in this book called I Am Here. Yes. And it's this idea because we're always somewhere else mm-hmm. where, where we once were or where, where we want to be, but we're not yes. in the present. Yes. And the reality is everything meaningful happens in the present. Yes. And this prayer for me, it, there's three dimensions to it. Number one, I am here in this space. I'm nowhere else. Mm-hmm. I can't be anywhere else. Yes. I'm not the spirit of God. Right. I am here. Right. So I'm going to be here. Right. Number two, I am here, meaning I'm not where I once was, and I'm not where I'm going to be. Wow. I right. am here, and I'm going to be okay with where I am right yeah. now. I'm going to yeah. lean into what this moment has for me. Yes. And the third dimension is, I am, the great I am is here with yeah. me, present with me. How am I missing out on his presence in this mm-hmm. present moment? That's how am so I not good. participating in that?
0: Yeah. I think there's just such... Um, one of the fears people have that they express to me a lot about journaling and prayer journaling and recording their prayers is their kids reading it. <laughs> What's y'all's <laughs> rhythms around like, yeah. what if one of the girls picks up your prayer journal? What if... Yeah. I mean, what do you do? How do you, how do you be honest in praying when there's little eyes? I mean, yeah. I handed my phone yesterday to a... 10-year-old to watch a video from a friend over um, to help him with what's going on in town. And when I got back to him, he was scrolling the text with me and his parents. (laughs) I was like, well, I hope there was nothing that we didn't want a 10-year-old to see, and I just didn't even think about it.
1: I mean for us we try to bring them into the journey of struggle and pain as much as possible mm. because that is a real part of it like when i and i share this in chapter 2 of the book but i went through a period of 5 years where i navigated insomnia yeah. and i felt like god had abandoned me and i just felt like i five could not 5 years
0: everybody needs to hear that it's not like 5 nights 5 years and, of insomnia yeah
1: and and this Book was largely birthed out of that struggle. Yes. And that idea of chasing God into the silence and looking yeah. for God and believing that I'm doing the right things. Like, right. really, be- like, God, I feel like I'm being faithful. I feel like I'm being obedient. I love my wife. I love my kids. I, like, what in the world is going on? Why yes. have you abandoned me? Yes. And even looking at the, the sun, okay, okay, Annie, like, can we go deep for a second yeah, here? Okay. Listen. All right. Yes. Okay. Because I know you're in the gospels and w- this is going to come out shortly after Easter. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So Jesus quotes Psalm 22 from the cross, yes. right? And it's this idea of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. David's words originally Psalm 22.1. Later in that chapter, there's this proclamation that God does not abandon the afflicted. In their afflictions, Mm. but rather that He is the God of the nations, and all the nations will see that this is true. And I have been working through the book of Hebrews, going deep into the idea of Jesus being the high priest and being tempted in every way that we were tempted. And, Annie, I've been thinking about, like, what is the greatest temptation? Like, truly, like, what is the greatest temptation that we as humans have to navigate when it comes to our relationship with God?
0: That's a great question.
1: And and I've been wrestling with that, okay? And so this goes back to your question about the kids. I believe the greatest temptation is the belief that God has abandoned us. Mm. Wow. That God is not with us in our pain, that God is not with us in the disorientation, that God leaves us, that God forsakes us. I believe that is the greatest temptation. Now, Jesus lived in perfect union Mm -hmm. with the Father. John Mm -hmm. chapter 5 captures that beautifully. So for him to become like us in every respect, he would have to know, the belief he would have to move through the human experience of experiencing separation, a sense of separation oh, wow. from God. Right, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I don't want to get into all the theories wow. of atonement, and all that. That's not. That's not what I'm doing right here. But I do believe. I do believe that a necessary part of the human experience journeying through the silence, the sense of abandonment, having those words with God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because can we really know that he is faithful if we haven't had reason to doubt his faithfulness?
0: Right. And so for Jesus, the only way he could have actually been tempted in every way and experienced everything we've experienced is to also experience that, especially when that is a the temptation to sin by stealing is not global and universal. Everybody doesn't hit that. No. And gluttony is not everybody. No. I mean, there's seven or whatever. There's yeah. a lot of deadly sins. There's a gazillion of them. But but that is one that is global.
1: It's universal. Wow. Every single one of us. And so this this pain that oh we have gosh. when it comes to prayer when it comes to wrestling with god yeah when it comes to moving through the silence to find a voice that is greater mm-hmm. greater than even our idea of words that yes. speaks to us in silence and in sound yeah. that connection that promise it is like that journey is what it is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus.
0: And you know what's interesting is it makes me think, no wonder people flocked to Asbury University mm. a few months ago. Yeah. is because universally we think has God abandoned us, and then they see something in driving or flying distance wow. that looks like his presence is there. And it was. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't go, but I I believe it. Yeah. And, and you go, well, if I can just get there, that's, I wonder... I wonder if so, that was part of the invitation. So ki- I wanted to go. I mean, it wasn't... I just couldn't.
1: So kids navigate this much younger than than we think they do. Ah. Uh, the What I call like the live separation. Yeah. They do. They navigate it. I dedicate this book to Sophia.
0: Yeah. Because
1: Sophia told me when she was very young, she's like, God, Dad, I want to talk to God, but God's not talking back to me. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. And we went on a two-year journey together. Wow. And it was absolutely beautiful and stunning. How and to old is see, she now? Just give people a Yeah, she's 12. Yeah. So we had this conversation when she was 10. Yeah. Wow. She, and, and I see it even with my younger kids, my yeah. six-year-old and my eight-year-old. Like They want to have words with God because this is what we were made for. We were made for intimacy, connection, communion, union with God. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look the way we expect it to look. And it can't. Right. Otherwise, we could build our constructs right. and we could get there That's and right. master it, manipulate it, control it, systematize it. And God's like, no, what I've created you for is way too intimate and personal and specific yes. for you to be able to figure it out at arm's length.
0: Yes, yes. So fun. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, the Hallow app. Here we are talking about prayer and about leaning in and I love being able to share with y'all about resources that are actually helping me practice this. Hallow app is one of them. It is the number one prayer app in the world. It's a Catholic app and it's so interesting to pay attention to all the ways that overlaps and connects with my Protestant faith. And they've seen over 10 million installs and 150 million prayers completed. How cool to think about being in that great cloud of witnesses together like the Bible talks about. Hallow is a great resource for all of us who are looking to dive deeper into prayer and build a daily habit of prayer. Hallow has thousands of prayers, meditations, and peaceful Christian music for all parts of your day. Since we're still in the month of Easter and in Eastertide, Hallow has a really cool Easter Bible study happening for the next month where you dive into the book of Acts with our friend Jonathan Rumi from The Chosen and a world-renowned Bible scholar, Dr. Scott Hahn. They're helping us to learn directly from the apostles in the book of Acts what it really looks like to follow Jesus. Alongside the new Bible study, pray and meditate using more than 10,000 guided prayers, including prayers from Mark Wahlberg and NBA champion Drew Holiday. And you remember his wife, Lauren, was on the podcast. We love them. The cast of The Chosen, Jim Caviezel from The Passion of the Christ, our buddy, Father Mike, and so many more. You can get extended three-month trial of all 10,000 plus prayers and meditations at Hallow.com slash that sounds fun. Again, that's Hallow.com slash that sounds fun. And one last Amazing partner to share with you, indeed. You know that saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think about that a lot with my team and how I want us to go the distance, bridging y'all to people and resources that strengthen your faith. I know those of you who lead teams get this too. It is so important who we link arms with to pursue our vision. Indeed gets this, and they're the experts at helping us find the best fit for the roles we want to build our teams with. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, you guys. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend your valuable hours digging through multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all and fast with Indeed. Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. I mean, you already have a full-time job, right? And probably more than you can handle, which is why you're hiring. You can reclaim your time and find top talent fast with Indeed. Their suite of powerful hiring tools like assessments and virtual interviews allow you to find top talent fast. This is the part I love the most with Indeed Instant Match. They do the hard work for you. You simply sponsor a job and boom, instant match shows you candidates whose resumes fit your job description immediately after you post. Indeed knows that hiring needs to be cost effective and efficient when you're running your own business. Visit indeed.com slash sounds fun to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need to hire you need Indeed. And now back to finish up our conversation with Addison. Addison. Okay, here's my confession for you today. When we were texting yesterday, I said I'm gonna. Now I read it when I endorsed it, so I have read the book. Yes, what did you
1: see? Name on the back. Remember, we were were talking about names on covers. Yes. Uh, So I was. I made the cover. Thank you
0: so much. I was thrilled. I do not deserve that. That is very exciting. Me, Mark Batterson, John Tyson. Believe, believe all three of us. I went to read it last night and I started on page one as one does. And I so clearly I felt the Lord and this is never happened before wow. I felt the Lord go don't read this like you read a podcast book I want you to actually read it again Wow. and wow. I went like oh, because I can read a book pretty fast because sure. I read I mean I've read sure. four this week I mean we just have to to sit with people yeah. And, yeah. and it's to honor their work so I read all the books yeah. but I don't read every word of every book And what I've been doing in this season is I've been reading prayer books in the morning in my time with the Lord, reading a chapter a day and letting that spur me into. And about a month ago, I felt the Lord say, kind of go like, are you going to read the books or are you going to pray? Wow. Like, are you going to, do you want to collect all the knowledge or do you want to (laughs) actually practice the discipline? Yeah. And so now I've slowed down to a chapter a day and using that. So. My question for you, for our friends listening, what is the line between reading books on prayer and praying? What is the reading books on fasting and yep. fasting, reading books on generosity and being generous? Like, can we hold both at the same time?
1: Yeah, I, I think we can. I think the litmus test is, what do you want to do after you read that book? Yeah. Like, do you want to pray? Yeah. I would say, keep reading that book. Yeah. If that book's driving you to prayer, if that book's driving you to generosity, keep reading it. Yeah. Because it's it's fueling that pursuit. and. Yes. And what I love about prayer is it is a universal experience. And so we do learn from each other. We yes. participate in, like we were talking about our, yeah, there's our. something to learn in and through the way others pray. That's yes. important. Yes. So we do want to have that, but if it's not bringing us into the presence of the Father yeah. in prayer or yeah. a greater awareness, I should say, of the Father's presence, where we're asking, where we're being more comfortable with stillness and silence, where we're receiving, where we're listening, then I would say, okay, maybe you're not reading the right book. Maybe, yeah. Look, yeah. maybe look to a different book. Maybe yeah. that book is is feeding your need for a formula or a box yeah. to be checked yeah. rather than moving you into mystery. Now, we need certainty and mystery when ah, it comes to the things of God. Right. We need both. And you'll find camps that are more on the certainty side, and they build everything on certainty, and you'll have... Fine camps are all about mystery, and everything yeah. is whatever they want it to be, and mysterious. But the reality is the wisdom of God wisdom brings both right. front and center.
0: Yeah, that's it. And sometimes I often have found in my life that it can be the right book the wrong season. Oh, yeah. So I, that's why you put them on a shelf versus yeah. put them in a trash can. That's good. As you go like, and then, I mean, so often the Lord will go, pull that one, or my brain. it's it, Something yeah. something in my room with my books will think to pull that one and read a chapter and, and whatever. Yeah. So I just finished Tyler Staten's Pray Like okay, yeah. Monks. Pray like yeah, long, pray like like pools. Pools. Yeah. And so yesterday, the Lord was like, do you know how you just finished one? And there's one right in front of you. Here's your next one. <laughs> wow. So I will start this uh, tomorrow morning in my actual like sitting and praying and reading time. The last question I want to ask you about prayer. Yeah. Some of our friends listening have prayed their whole lives and don't feel like they've seen God answer.
1: Mm. Or have been
0: praying for a thing. A child to return to the Lord, to get pregnant, to get married, to get a better job. And they they have long obedience in the same direction. They still don't have what they want. Yeah. That's all, The truth is, that's all of us. None of us have everything oh, yeah. we want. Yeah. But speak to the people who feel disappointed in God. Are we allowed to feel disappointed in God? Or is that something we're supposed to quench in us? And what do we do with it?
1: Yeah. Okay, I was just reading Psalm 142. Uh-huh. And that's where David says, I lay out my complaints yeah, before you, God. Yeah. So it's one thing to complain about God, it's another thing to complain to God.
0: Okay. Okay. So
1: God doesn't like it when we complain about Him, God yes. loves it when we come to Him that's and good. complain. To him, that's good because that leads to intimacy, that leads to understanding, that leads to connection. Like God's not afraid of our dissonance; Uh he's not afraid of our disappointment. He's in there; he's in the midst of it right now. Okay, so what I would what I would share? Number one, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is something all of us navigate. Yes, don't believe the lie of the accuser. Don't look at someone's life and be like, "Oh no, they have everything that they prayed for." No, I'm just telling you right now. They don't. They don't. Nobody does. They absolutely do not. And this morning, I just started Luke. Right? Uh-huh. So I, I always read through the gospels. And I just circle right back through yeah. and then I read an epistle and I read a psalm and then I read something from the prophets. Normally that's what I do yeah. Okay, or a historical book. So this morning I started Luke and it struck me as I'm reading the story about how God so often moves through our lives and reveals his promises at that point where everyone's like, yeah. God hasn't been faithful. Yeah. Like, Again, I love how it calls out how they had been righteous and yes. they had been faithful. And they had done, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had done the right things. And yet the community kind of looked at them and they were like, man, I don't know what about do that. Know? Like, yeah. what is, yeah. that. She's barren. What's going on? Yeah. And yet God moved when they were old, when things yeah. were done, when yeah. it, they were past the point of prayers. In fact, he had stopped praying. Yeah. Like Gabriel says, I've heard these old prayers that you've been praying. Like really when you dig into the Greek, he's like, I've heard these prayers that you have been old praying.
0: Prayers. Like these oh old prayers.
1: Gosh. Like you don't even have the strength to pray them anymore, mm. but I've heard them. And they're here they are. Here's the answer wow. to the prayer. So I would tell people, continue to contend. Yes. It's the process that prepares us yes. for what we're petitioning for. Yes. And there are some prayers, for whatever reason, only God knows, that require a longer process. Of preparation. Yes. And yes. I want to also share this. There are prayers that go unanswered because prayer is so powerful that God has to reserve the right to not answer certain prayers. Like, I just think everyone needs to recognize that. It's hard for us to recognize that. Would take a step back and be like, prayer is so powerful yeah. that God has to reserve the right not to answer certain prayers. Wow. But there's no prayer that God doesn't hear. Wow. There's no prayer that goes unheard. Yes. And we can live in that confidence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What a gift! The persistent widow is just so my favorite thing because Jesus is like, "I'm going to tell you a story now about why you should pray and not give up." And you're like, well, okay. Well, that's all we need to know is yeah. that we're supposed to pray and not give up."
1: Okay, so Luke 11, real yeah. quick, Luke 11. We interpret the story about the friend at midnight uh-huh. as a story of persistence.
0: Uh huh. Because it's
1: nor- no, it has nothing to do with persistence.
0: Okay. Oh it's... yeah, because he only asks once, I guess, right?
1: No, he actually he calls. Uh huh. But in the text, it says, "But because of his." An idea. Uh-huh. what that means actually is because of his honor for the sake of his name. It has actually nothing to do with the person making the request, it has everything to do with the sleeper. Oh, because wow. of his honor, he will respond. He won't, he won't just give him bread, he'll give him everything that he needs because the honor of the entire community would have been at stake. If that guy doesn't get out of his bed, if he doesn't let go of his excuses about his kids being in bed and house yeah, being yeah, locked yeah. up and he doesn't respond, then in a near eastern culture, the honor of that entire community is at stake. And then Jesus goes on to say, "If you who are earthly who are evil, yeah. know how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father in heaven give the heavenly, give the holy ghost, give yeah. the holy spirit to yeah. those who ask him."
0: It's not about the guy asking. It's, it's act- about the honor of the one sleeping. So God is going to make sure his name is honored. When we pray.
1: And that is Jeez. tied. And that is tied in for Luke's gospel, Luke 11, that's tied to hallowed be your name. Yeah. He will respond for the sake of his name, for the honor of his name. Annie, that's why we pray in the name.
0: In the name. Addison. It's not a formula. Jeez, you are blowing my mind like eight times. <laughs> I need to start having like a, a buzzer I hit every time somebody blows my mind because you'd have gotten a lot. Man, I cannot wait for people to get words with God. This is, I mean... The, I'm going to read the subtitle because it's awesome. Trading Boring Empty Prayer for Real Connection. Oh, it's so good, Addison. Okay, what do we not say that we need to say?
1: I mean, I feel like we covered I like it. Was great. Is there, is there I anything? love it. No. no, well,
0: I mean, I got to ask you what sounds fun. So, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, that Addison sounds fun. Bevere, what sounds fun to you?
1: Right now in this season or yeah. general? No, anything. Like right There's now, no wrong answer. You know what? I have been making fun of people who play pickleball.
0: Oh, are y'all in?
1: Annie, I recently <laughs> played. It's okay.
0: <laughs> Do y'all have a court in your neighborhood? It's. It feels like close. your neighborhood would it, have that. It's
1: close. <laughs> yeah. It's close to the neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. and I, I've always kind of made fun of it. Yeah. And I played tennis and I also played ping pong, and I'm yeah. like, what is this thing? Yes. Like this is weird.
0: Yes. But it is fun. You loved it. Oh my gosh! It's and, like small tennis. And right?
1: everyone plays it. Everyone All the generations. Plays it can play it so you have you know people in their 70s out there and you have kids who are eight years old and uh-huh. everyone's having fun and for us where we're a family we have so many people who do life together in yeah. different generations and stuff we can all go out there and play is so. everybody
0: and now or are your mom and dad in and everybody
1: my mom not so much uh-huh but my dad he played tennis at purdue so yeah. he, I mean, he's a good tennis player yeah but i did just for the record dad i'm sorry little shade i did beat him
0: last <laughs> time we played
1: I did beat him. But he says one-on-one pickleball isn't a real thing. Really, it's only okay. doubles. Fair, fair. But I did beat him.
0: Um, Sorry, Dad. Do you see a world where this becomes like a Bevier family thing? Like tournaments for the next vacation? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I think, Which is... I think pickleball may be like heaven in that I will not realize how many of my people are there until I get there. Because I haven't pickleballed at all. And I think I'm going to show up at a court and it's going to be like, all of y'all have been doing this together and I didn't know. And people
1: don't really <laughs> tell you that they're playing pickleball because it's still a little bit like, wait, you're playing pickleball? Yeah. Like, is that a real sport? Yeah. Is that a real thing? Or
0: y'all just talk to each other. Like you and Craig could have played eight pickleball games and I don't know that. Oh, he's way in. Everybody I think half the people here play. I still don't even, I wouldn't know where to drive to well. get there.
1: Well, we're gonna play pickleball okay
0: let's do <laughs> i already gotta text your wife today anyway so okay it's happening addison thank you again for doing this we're so glad you're on i can't wait for people to, to get words with god it comes out tomorrow
1: thank you annie yeah. and annie thank you for everything over the last few years since we first met back in 2020 right you've been such a champion and such a support and believed in Julie and me and spoken in my life and yeah. just grateful for you
0: mutual thanks for having very me on the mutual. show Oh, you guys, don't you love him? Okay, make sure you grab your copy of Words with God and read along with me as I'm reading that in the mornings for the next couple of weeks. Follow Addison on social media. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show, how much it mattered to you. And if you found this episode helpful, if you or your small group are talking about prayer or your partner or your friends, if y'all are talking about prayer in your lives, this is a great one to share to kind of jump off a new conversation. Just shoot it to them in a text or hit share and post it on your social media. Go to That Sounds Fun Podcast on on Instagram and share our post of Addison and I it means the world when you invite your friends into these conversations and sometimes the conversations we want to have need some sort of jump start and so let us be that for you okay so we heard what sounds fun to Addison it was a very good answer now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening just like you All right, Holland, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. Hi, I'm Holland. I'm from Alpharetta, Georgia. And what sounds fun to me is going on vacation because I'm a CPA and things are very busy and I'm ready for a vacation. Girl, you deserve it. (laughs) Um, Are you near North Point Mall? I love Alpharetta. Oh, absolutely. I'm probably there every weekend because there's a Target and a Hobby Lobby and a Marshalls all in the same center. Yes. So I spend a lot of money there. That's like a little (laughs) mini vacation every weekend. Absolutely. Okay, if you can really pick to go anywhere, where are you going? um, Well, I have a trip planned and my sister was on this earlier and she already mentioned this, but we're going to Dallas and Oklahoma City. Yes. So for the Women's College World Series for softball. And that's later this summer. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yes. Okay. So we got that coming. And in the meantime, Hobby Lobby. Yes, Hobby Lobby. So, and maybe a quick beach trip. Yes, girl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. Thank you for being a CPA. That is, you are doing the work of the Lord for people like me who do not do numbers as well. Uh, For the most part, I enjoy it. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie Uptown's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And you can find more content and clips from the show on Instagram at That Sounds Fun Podcast. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is resting. I am resting today. After preaching at Crosspoint yesterday, I get a little bit of a slow Monday. So rest is fun to me. If you saw our AFD Week in Review email last week, you know why. Y'all have a great week. We will see you back here on Thursday with my friends Nashville SC star and U.S. Men's National Team star, Walker Zimmerman, and his amazing wife, Sally. Yes, y'all, we got a soccer player, and it's going to be the best. We'll see y'all on Thursday. Yeah.